Welcome to Unleash Your Greatness. I'm Adam Platt. Today, we're going to be talking about identity, leadership, and imposter syndrome with my guest, Davika Day. She is an amazing person, and we're going to get into that conversation with her right after I queue up the intro. The question people often ask themselves is, is there more for me out there? Am I capable of more, of doing more, of being more, and having greater success in this life? The answer to that question is yes. I believe that everybody has greatness within themselves and that success leaves clues. And if we can take those clues, we can unlock the greatness within ourselves. I'm Adam Platt, and welcome to Unleash Your Greatness. Welcome everybody to Unleash Your Greatness. I am Adam Platt, and today I'm excited to have my guest on is Davika Day, and she is a renegade in the world of leadership development. Uh, she teaches or helps females and soon-to-be males in business leaders um, use their experience to break up as a, a radical pathway to embody growth and leadership. And uh, she's passionate about educating people in the dynamics of power, identity, love, leadership, with a particular focus on how our love lives can inform, inspire, and improve our ability to lead. So I'm excited to uh, kind of dive into this topic and how she kind of got into this area because, yeah, I love, um, uh, well, first of all, welcome, Davika. I appreciate you being here and, and being on the show to chat with me. Um, Thank you. I'm, I'm excited to, to kind of dive into this, this concept of leadership and love and uh, how you're a renegade of leadership development. So... Um, I guess first off, I, I kind of want to know the backstory behind all this. Like, how does this <laughs> how does this come about? There's got to be some that, kind of a story behind it. Uh, yeah, it's a great <laughs> question. And and there is a story like with anything else. Right. It's uh, your own uh, existence story or your own life story. That's kind of um, the catalyst or the muse. That could be a great word for this yep. sort of uh journey of discovery and so it for me it was um it was literally just like my love life and my professional life were like amazing mirrors for each other let's just put it that way but I didn't realize how much they mirrored each other until I kind of had to take a step back and really have a look at it so um I was in a marriage and it was an unhappy marriage um, it was in a marriage where I got uh, bullied constantly and um, my power was really sort of taken away. But also, if I'm honest, I gave my power away. Mm. I gave my power away in that marriage. And so it was a very toxic environment. Um, it was not a safe place to really be in. And, you know, I'm going to actually have to state this, that it wasn't me that kind of went, I've had enough of this shit. I'm leaving. Uh-uh, no, none of that. None of that. I was absolutely tow down, uh, groveling kind of servant, almost like, you know, very appeasing attitude, a real mm. people pleaser. Wow. So I would not have left at all. I want to put up with anything, but and I've got a lot of gratitude for this, actually. My ex-husband, he got to a point where he realized that the marriage had become so toxic and so kind of unhealthy that the only way it was going to, the way it was going was actually 
potentially violence. So he recognised that it was going to be physically unhealthy. Um, and, you know, credit where credit's due, he didn't want to be that person. Wow. And so he told me to get out. He said, get out before this happens, before I start wow. doing this to you. Um, that's that's really big because that's actually not something that happens very often in a, an abusive environment at all. Yeah. I, in fact, I've spoken to women who have been through those relationships. Most of those women had to get out themselves. They didn't have their partners open the door and say, leave because this is where it's going to. Um, So for that, I do have a lot of gratitude towards him for his awareness um, and his self-awareness, because even though I had an inkling that potentially that is what was going to happen, I still wasn't going to leave. I was holding on for my dear life. Um, I really did not have an identity at that point. I had absolutely no power at that point. Um, I had nothing. Really, I had nothing. Like, you know, apart from a great family, amazing friends who really supported me to like kind of get me back up. But um, after that relationship ended and after that sort of whole situation happened, I felt a lot of shame. I felt a lot of guilt. I felt a lot of um, really kind of low low self-worth, low self-esteem, you know, my confidence was absolutely not high at all. Uh, and it kind of then started me look um, questioning, like what on earth is going on with me that I thought that was okay, that I thought that that was an acceptable situation. How did I let that happen? Because prior to my marriage, I was not that person at all. I was an educated woman who was independent, who'd always had like this independent streak and was highly opinionated and no one could tell me otherwise. So I went from a um, woman with an amazing kind of uh, progressive attitude to that, having zero personality unless someone told me exactly how I had to behave, how I had to think, when I could even speak. Um, And that really scared me because... No one talks about that. No one talks about how even if you come from the best of circumstances, you can end up in this place where your identity is taken from you, where your power is taken from you, right? So it really got me intrigued as to how the hell did that happen? How did my journey like into that this really sort of start? And that's basically, I guess, the backstory. And then obviously, you know, learning and development and all that. Um, now I'm doing work in that particular niche or that particular area. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> Super fascinating. And there's a couple things I want to just kind of, I guess, ask a few questions about. Number, number one, I, I believe when we chatted before, you said this was an arranged marriage from your culture. That's that's correct. That's correct. Do you think that had a uh, an element of play in the abuse or the the identity that was kind of stripped from you or? If I'm honest, no, I don't believe so. Um, I, you know, arranged marriages, when they go wrong, they can go spectacularly wrong. Uh, I unfortunately was in that spectacular, 
not quite as spectacular, but still pretty wrong bracket. Um, and yes, while there is kind of like this collective pressure to get married at a certain age, um, have a certain identity to fit in, right? And I think that was really the big thing. I was doing all these things just to fit in because I was couldn't be asked dating. I didn't, I was actually really apathetic to dating, if I'm honest. Um, and my parents were just decent people who wanted to see me settled and wanted to see me happy. Mm. Um, and for them, happiness has been through the couple bubble. Let's be honest. They, gotcha. That's how they found happiness, right? Yeah. So when you find happiness one way, unfortunately, sometimes you think everyone finds happiness that way. <laughs> So, you know, they were we like, all should be happy that way. Yeah, exactly. So they were like, yeah, you need to get married because you're old. And unfortunately, <laughs> that's kind of within my culture and maybe even all cultures, there is this pressure for a woman to get settled by a certain age, yeah. mainly has to do with her biology because, you know, childbearing years and all that. Right, um right. And you want to legitimize the kids, I guess, right? So there was an aspect of this collective pressure to get married and to get hitched. And i got to be honest, if you're in my family or my culture and every second person is coming up to you and saying, not even every second, it got to like every person after a while is saying, so what's going on with you? <laughs> you, know? you know, there is this awful thing where people are like what's wrong with you because you're still old and single I mean, um how, how old <laughs> is this are, are we talking like i mean you can't late 20s oh, so. <laughs> yeah. i mean good grief exactly <laughs> you know it, it, it's interesting though because i kind of understand that um i i come from um a culture as well where um and it's it, it's not like you, we don't do arranged marriages or anything in my where I live. I'm from Utah. Um, I'm, I'm a, a member of a, a church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And in our culture, you know, the, the young men, they go on a mission usually, and even women when they're um, right out of high school for a couple of years. And then when they come home, they're expected to get married and, and settle down. And so, you know, if you're like 25 and you're not married, people are like, well, what's wrong with you? What's, what's going on? You know? Yeah. Um, and then it's changing. Like times are changing. Things are, are not quite that that way anymore. Um, but when I was a kid, you know, when I was younger, I'm, I'm much older than you are, I would assume. Um, <laughs> but when I was, you know, home from my, my time where I was out in the, the mission field, uh, it was, it was just expected. Like you come home and, and you, you find someone and you get married. And, uh, you know, luckily those, those things are kind of shifting a little bit and I don't think there's anything wrong with getting married, right? As soon as you are out of high school or home or whatever, um, I don't think there's anything wrong with waiting a little while either. So I think that's totally fine and, and okay. Um, but yeah, I can kind of understand that. Like people, they kind of scratch their head like, well, what's, what's wrong? Like, are you broken in some way? Are you too picky? Are you, you know, there's... <laughs> All these kind of stereotypes yeah, people exactly. Put on and it's exactly that. And when you're young, and I'd say like this is for me, even though I was ticking like some boxes or whatever yeah. in life that, you know, society tells us to tick. Right. Um, I'd say internally I hadn't ticked any box 
in fact, there was like zero structure there. Like it was a very unstructured person on the inside, but outside it was like super structured and super like, oh, look at all the processes and things I'm ticking off, right? Right. Um, So externally I had these structures, but internally I had none. And so when you have external pressure, when you've got zero internal foundation, you're going to cave. I caved big time. I'm like, this doesn't feel right to me. But everyone else seems to say that this is the way to be. And look, there are people who are happy with that. So let me just now blindly follow along (laughs) and hope that everyone else's opinions are correct because I clearly don't have an opinion of my own in this regard. Yeah, Um, interesting. So for me, that was actually the situation. It was more caving to this external pressure. If I literally just built that internal foundation in my 20s um the way I've built it now you know going into my 40s now um there's no way it would have bothered me I would have just been like "Uh uh-huh yeah that's cool thank you for your opinion or your perspective but I'm gonna live my life you know and that's kind of how I deal with it now and people respect that it's so interesting when you actually have this very clear internal boundary or an internal kind of uh state stability let's just put it that way people really respect that they really admire that it's rare it is so rare to come across someone who's like yeah that's cool for you i i love that you've you're married you found the one and all that sort of stuff but i'm i'm on something else and i'm doing something else right now and hey i'm not saying i'm no to marriage ever Uh -uh, no that's not my message at all i probably will get married but when I do, it'll be on my own terms now yeah. from my own experience and um, really someone who can offer me what I believe I now deserve, which is care, respect, trust, and safety. That is four things I'm absolutely demanding in the relationship from now on. Um, and I think everybody should demand that. I mean, absolutely. you know, those are, those are, should be, in my opinion kind of basic needs of any relationship it is the basic needs of any relationship you are correct but unfortunately many people aren't educated in that way and so until someone does the sort of internal structural work let's put it that way to cultivate respect for themselves care for themselves offer safety to themselves first and foremost Mm. and trust it's going to be very hard for them to then communicate that to another human being and say that this is what I, this is what I expect. These are my minimum levels. Um, Yeah. So, I mean, that was definitely the case for me. It's not the case now because I know how to do that. I know how to communicate those things and people appreciate it because there's no like ambiguity anymore. You know what I mean? Yeah. You're very Uh, Yeah. Yeah, Communication is actually key. Communication is key in any successful relationship. And that's not just, um, you know, personal romantic relationships, that's leadership. And that's something I then started to look at. In fact, last year um, through COVID, I started seeing all these patterns where because leaders potentially hadn't done a fair bit of internal work within themselves. Mm. Yeah. things were starting to unravel fast and um, it, it was like 
it was actually watching the wool unravel to a certain degree. Um, and COVID showed the wool unraveling yeah. in business in leadership. It actually showed how internal structure is now paramount and key to move forward. Um, so, yeah, that's just wow. something that I've added into my kind of body of work in the last year or so. Yeah. But, yeah, predominantly my focus is relationships and now, yeah, leadership. So, and that's awesome. And I, I want to kind of get into how the two of those tie together because that's that's part of your focus and what you, mm -hmm. you help people um, understand. Uh, yeah. And and I've got this this burning question that I want to ask you, and it probably does relate to leadership as well. But, um, you know, when you're in that relationship with your, your ex-husband yeah. uh, and you feel like your identity had been totally stripped and you weren't who you were, you weren't being true to yourself, I guess, is kind of how I picture it, I guess. Um, yeah. I think there's a lot of people, specifically women, who struggle with that in relationships where their whole identity is wrapped around a relationship. And yeah. if that relationship ends, you know, whether it's a boyfriend or a spouse or, or whatever, um, their identity is gone. Like it's stripped away and they're, they're, they're like, what do I do now? Yeah. And yeah. What are your thoughts on that? I mean, I, I really, I see that. Like, I, I've, I see it in people in my family. I see it in my friends, where it's like, and and again, it, it's both. It goes both ways, right? Men and women can do it to each other, but I think women have a more tendency to be like, take on the things that their spouse or their boyfriend or whatever. Uh, you know, they do the things that they like to do. They like the music they like. They like the shows they like. And, you know, and, and there's nothing wrong with liking similar things. But at the same time, you also have to know who you are and, and have your own things that you want to do, I, I think. Yeah. And, uh, hey, it's Adam Platt. And I just wanted to jump in here real quick and say, if you're ready to really unleash the greatness within yourself today, and you're ready to surround yourself with like-minded people who are going to help you grow and cheer you on towards your goals to higher success and achievement, then I've created a free community called Unleash Your Greatness with Adam Platt on Facebook. Come and join that community. It's free. You can come and join today. And uh, it's again, it's called Unleash Your Greatness with Adam Platt. And people on that community are going to help. I'm in there. I'm going to be commenting and giving free resources on things that can help you grow and succeed in life. So come join today and we will see you on the inside. Yeah. What are your thoughts on all that? I, I can see the, the wheels <laughs> turning. <laughs> well, yeah. So my thoughts are you are correct. And um, a big part of that has to be kind of like this social narrative that women have been given. Um you know, that we have to be the appeasers. We have to be the ones that uh, are likable, right? You, you want to be likable. You want to be lovable, all that sort of stuff. Mm. Um, a big part of that comes to a certain degree from, yes, social cultural conditioning, family conditioning as well. But also, like, if you look at um, the, from this is just looking at evolutionary studies, 
how women operated in the tribe as opposed to men, how they operated in the tribe, right? So in the evolutionary world or the Darwinian world, right, the women would be in a tribe and they would be in a collective the entire time. And the way they cultivated safety, you could say, or they kept safe was making a lot of noise um, and that was predominantly with chatting with each other. They'd actually raise their voices and make a lot of noise um, mm. as they were kind of gathering because they were the gatherers, the men were the hunters. In order to let the threats around them know, you're not dealing with just one person here. You're dealing with multiple people. Yeah. In order to not get abandoned in that collective, you can't piss anyone off. <laughs> you cannot become a bitch. Yeah. Then you're on your right? own. Yeah. Exactly. You need that collective female kind of uh, protective yeah. warriorship, if you will, to mm. protect you. Uh, men, to a certain degree, were a little bit different. Like this, they hunted together, but to hunt, you could not hunt effectively as a group of men. The prey would see you and they'd run away and you'd end up with no meat. So you had to hunt on your own, right? You had to basically hunt on your own to... Um, kind of kill whatever you had to kill in order to bring it home it was actually a safety thing it was safer for men to hunt that way it was safer for women to congregate and gather um but in order to do that successfully right um men had to rely entirely on their own like they had to build their own sort of resources and really become self-reliant women built this um resource around collective reliance hmm. so there's still something, and you could say there's still something in that, um, where women still have that, where they need to feel a sense of belonging with the other, right, with the tribe. And they do that by liking whatever the other person in that tribe likes, by doing whatever that person in that tribe likes. You could yeah. say at a very basic level, this kind of expl explains that behavior. But from a social and cultural perspective, we have also been fed that this is how a right woman behaves. This yeah. is how a woman who is lovable, who will be revered, who will be taken care of, who will be nurtured in the family and society is going to, um, you know, needs to behave as well. So we've sort of been fed this narrative of be the good girl and submit to whatever the other people around you wish you to submit to uh that's slowly changing it is slowly changing sure um but it's not a hundred percent there yet and when women are younger they're more likely to go towards the collective yeah. um as opposed to kind of building something for themselves right uh, because that's just the safest option that's the most comfortable option that's the safest option I also have to own that I am loving Gen Z because they're doing the exact opposite of every other generation that's come before them. And I'm really loving that. I'm loving that about the men. I'm loving that about the women of Gen Z. And I think um, millennials also, the tail end of millennials are kind of, in that same category to a certain degree. So it is changing generationally. It's changing yeah. without a doubt. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I agree. And to kind of wrap that around leadership, um, because I think there is a correlation there. I, I think that 
lots of times leaders, especially, I, I guess when I think of leaders, le- leadership is different than like a manager, right? Mm-hmm. Um, lots of times a title of manager or supervisor or president or CEO or whatever like that. Um, there's a, this ego wrapped around it. And, yeah. And uh, their identity is wrapped around that title. Yeah. And uh, I, I don't personally, I don't think that you need a title to be a leader. I think anybody can be a leader. And uh, I, I think you would probably agree. That's why you do what you do. Uh, but I, I think a lot of times when, you know, these people retire who have had these titles in their job or or whatever, now all of a sudden that title is gone and that ego is almost, again, stripped away. The identity is taken away. And then, then they're kind of like, what do I do? Like, nobody's going to listen to me. My wife's not going to listen to me because I've been a jerk for the last, you know, 40 years while I was a, a leader, right? Or maybe not. I mean, I, I'm, I'm stereotyping. I understand. But um, you understand what I'm saying, right? Yeah. Um, there's this ego. Like, there's this this identity wrapped around, like, I need to be the boss. I need to be the manager, the the leader. I'm going to be the, the general of my troops, you know, all these things mm. that we kind of associate with leadership. And uh, when it's taken away, whether you're demoted, retired, fired, s- stepped down, whatever, now all of a sudden that identity is taken away. And it, I, I, I would think it's similar to a relationship when a relationship ends and your whole identity is wrapped around that relationship. Yes. Um, so that, I guess that's kind of a correlation I'm seeing between the two and, and maybe I'm off my rocker here. Um, no, you're absolutely right in that correlation. You are absolutely right. So what you're describing is a rupture. So when a relationship ends, you've got a rupture. When you get leave a leadership role, you've also got a rupture, mm. uh, right? And a yep. rupture can be dealt with two ways. So the first, they're both healthy and they're both kind of needed, but then they, one of them tips into unhealthy, right? So when you have a rupture in relationship and leadership, you can deal with it immaturely, which you need to do at the start. (laughs) And then at some point you need to start dealing with it maturely. Um, So immature behaviors, and let's just look at relationship because they're both different in the way people deal with it so if we look at relationship when you've got a rupture in relationship and there's a breakup and you're going your separate ways uh a rupture causes chaos essentially all the stuff that you don't want to deal with to now come up so the stuff that was subconsciously there ticking away patterning you basically Mm -hmm. is now uh instead of being an extra in the play they're now the lead. They're now the li- They're now the star. Right, yeah. They're now the Oscar nominee, and <laughs> they're not nice Oscar nominees. They are guilt. They are shame. They are low self worth. All your shit, all your insecurities, are now limelight. They're yeah. center stage. Yep. People hate that, right? That's uh, that's the chaos in the storm, right there, right? And what people do is they deal with it immaturely, which is fine. It's absolutely fine. You can totally deal with it immaturely. Dealing with it immaturely is pointing the finger, blaming the other person, calling them a bitch or an asshole and saying that they're an absolute waste of space and time and you wish you never met them, all that sort of stuff. You can deal with it by, uh, you know, going out and partying and basically getting blind drunk every night. You can deal with it by going on massive shopping sprees for no reason. You can deal with it by, oh, seriously, speed dating. 
like doing a hell of a lot of speed dating, like seriously swiping right at every single Tinder profile. <laughs> you know what I mean? You're kind of going crazy on this external orientation of I'm going to now do this stuff. I'm going to do all these new things and I'm going to meet these new people. And yeah, 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 yeah. You know, it's a little bit like going crazy yourself. But that's actually needed to come back to balance mm. to a certain right. extent. You need to go back to zero and you need to be a little bit like that crazy person in order to go back to zero, right? Yeah. It allows you to bypass all the crap. It allows you to bypass the insecurity. Um, it allows you to build confidence. I'm not going to lie. I have also done this. <laughs> I have totally <laughs> done this. It helped me build confidence. Yay. Um, and... After that, though, if that's the only thing that you've done, now there's a problem because potentially what's going to happen is the exact same patterns are going to come up again and you're going to meet the same sort of person and it's yeah. going to be the same scenario all right, over right, again. Right. So that's stating, staying in the immature state of rupture. Then there's a mature state of rupture. And the mature state of rupture is getting enough, building enough confidence, doing the things that you need to do to eventually go in and face, face the den, face the den of insecurity, essentially, right? Mm. You're not yeah. going to walk away from it this time. It's going to be horrible. I'm not going to lie to you. I have done this. It is nauseating. <laughs> it's <laughs> terrible. Um, you know, you, I felt ill when I was literally sitting there with my guilt, with my insecurities, with my shame. It was not pleasant, but I got so much out of it. I got so much out of it. And that's the one thing that people don't do. And I'm not entirely too sure if this message is always received is that there's a way for your guilt, your shame, your lack of self-worth, your deepest insecurities about yourself to turn into a teacher and to actually, you know, teach you something about yourself, mm -hmm. teach you how to be better, teach you how to grow, teach you how to accept, yeah. teach you how to, deeply hold a space of gratitude for yourself and your experiences. That's not actually done very often. In fact, I think it's incredibly rare. Yeah. That's the sort of stuff that I do in my um, work. And it's also something um, in leadership, like you were talking about, right? That you get people who don't have, um, they lose their identity they lose their sense of purpose. They lose their power. Uh, in relationships and in leadership, if you just look at this is something that's giving me power, this is something that's giving me purpose, this is something that's giving me an identity, you're in this very loose structure where something can be uprooted very easily from you. So when it goes, you know, you're in chaos. So for leaders, what they tend to do is, yeah, they go a little bit nuts themselves. Um, you know, so you do hear a lot of breakups happening around then too. You know, the new models, uh, the new cars coming out all of a sudden, the Maseratis or whatever, <laughs> you yep. know, and then the new girlfriends and all that sort of stuff. Yes, <laughs> that sort of stuff is kind of like the wild crazies. Um, yeah. But it's stuff that potentially these individuals need to do to build some kind of confidence in themselves. But then after a while, you need to do the work and go into the more mature state of, okay, what's this telling me about myself? How was it that this role was really just the entire thing that I had, the only thing that I ever existed for? What's that showing me about myself? 
not that many leaders, i got to be honest, not that many leaders do that sort of mature um, work, Yeah. you know, and the kind of leadership you described was alpha leader, right? And yep. the kind of relationships you're describing is an alpha relationship too. Yep. It's very much built on where is where do I sit in the pecking order of things? Um, how is it that people perceive me? And it's through those perceptions of others that I cultivate the identity, that I cultivate my power. Uh, so it it needs to change. Yeah. yeah, it needs to change. Yeah. So, wow, lots of lots of I I can kind of see why you call yourself a renegade of leadership development. Um, because it is a different take. It, it is a different little. I mean, it's it's not so radical, right? Like it's you're not you're <laughs> yeah. not saying anything that's super like, uh, you know, so left out there, crazy that people are like, eh. But yeah, you know, exactly. It, it is a little bit different uh, way to talk about leadership than we, traditionally most people talk about. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, there there is that alpha leader, like you said. There's that alpha relationship um, that happens quite regularly. And uh, so, let me because because we're kind of talking about leadership. What would you say is um, how does, let's see, how do I want to put this? What's the best way that leaders can most effectively connect with others and their teams? What would you say? Honestly, they need to connect to themselves first. Okay. Yeah. They need to do that. They need to connect to themselves first. They can't by, bypass that. So, um, in, in relationship, that is actually, and this is where relationships are amazing. Relationships. <clears throat> are an amazing vehicle back to ourselves. They're kind of like this amazing space to come home, right? And not come home to the other person. The other person is just a mirror to help us come back to ourselves. You know, they're kind of like the compass. They're uh, the person who's next to us that's holding a map. You know, they're kind of like a guide. But ultimately, they help us come back home. And for effective leadership, that's exactly what leaders need to start doing as well. They need to start coming home to themselves. And I think that's what people aren't really hearing necessarily in the leadership space is that to be an effective leader, you must come home first. You must offer yourself respect, care, safety, and trust. And the moment you can offer yourself those things Mm. is the moment you can effectively offer that to your team your team, if they don't feel that within you, and people aren't dumbasses, they know bullshit when they hear bullshit. They know bullshit when they see it. You know, they can they can sense it. They can sense it even when it's in the room, but they, you know, they're, they're not going to call it. People are polite, especially if you're their boss. Yeah. But, um, and Sinek, he's like, an ama- I love his stuff on leadership. He talks about this. He talks about cultivating environments of psychological safety that's not going to be cultivated until a leader can do that for themselves first. And once they do that, it's, you know, honestly, just watch the team follow. The team will also go there. Mm, yeah. That's, that's really interesting. And I, I guess when I think of a correlation between leadership and relationships, would you say that a good leader 
could have horrible relationships with like uh, a loved one or vice versa. A, a person who has great relationship with somebody could be a horrible leader. Um, it's so interesting that you say that they may have a great relationship. Um, and I'd, I'd love to know what, what exactly they find about their relationship. That's great. You know, cause if you go into it a bit more and say, Hey, so do you really feel safe with sharing every aspect of your soul with your partner? Generally speaking, no, that doesn't happen. So, um, a great relationship can sometimes just be that you're on the same page and you both share the same sort of outlook or perspective in life and that's enough and you're happy with that, right? But amazing lovers, like extraordinary lovers, if you look at those individuals, those few kind of individuals out there, they share all aspects of their humanity with their partners mm. and that means the uncomfortable crappy stuff it's not the shiny nice things all the time yeah. it's like the really the stuff that they're ashamed of even they're going to share with them even though they feel like it's potentially throwing their relationship under the bus even though that is the feeling that they're getting they're still going to go there they're still going to be mm. brave enough to go there that right there that is a great i mean okay no that's an extraordinary relationship a great relationship is, is individuals on the same page who share the same perspectives and are happy with each other right they're happy within their couple bubble um but an extraordinary relationship yeah that's something else that goes that's soul stuff right mm. um and leadership's kind of the same i think you can still have great leaders who don't necessarily have great relationships and that's because they're married to their jobs and they're married to their teams and they burn themselves out yeah. by being these great leaders who are married to their jobs and their teams and they burn out their personal lives essentially they burn a, you know they literally annihilate the other side of their life yeah. and that's not necessarily great you know that's going to an extreme angle um Again, I think that doesn't mean that they're an exceptional leader, though. An exceptional leader knows, knows how to go to a place of discomfort with their team, knows how to uh, potentially share not every aspect of their humanity because that's just strange. Honestly, that's weird. <laughs> it's just weird. Right. I would never recommend every boss to be like, yeah, just bear your soul, man. No, <laughs> don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> but to have like, you know, a level of humanness to allow them to see glimpses of your humanity, yeah. that's, that's something. You know, that's what really amazing leaders have the ability to do. Mm. And they're not necessarily individuals who are married to their jobs. And yes, I have to. I have to own those types of leaders. They learn how to do that first and foremost in their relationships. They start bearing their humanity to their partners first, to their spouses first, to themselves first. Mm. And then that gives them the muscle to do it to a much bigger audience. Yeah. Which is their teams. So, yeah, a couple things come to thought while you've been talking about that. Um, you know, as we, we talk about leadership and a relationship with themselves first, 
Um, I, I totally agree. I think great leaders have a, uh, you know, very good relationship with themselves. They're very confident. They're very, uh, you know, driven, uh, especially if you look at very successful leaders throughout history and, uh, mm. and the ones that most people would consider, you know, great leaders. However, some of those leaders were horrible at creating yeah. a, uh, you know, a, a, a atmosphere of safety, right? Um, one that comes to, to mind is Steve Jobs, amazing yeah. leader. Um, probably one of the most creative minds of our, you know, generation, uh, horrible to work with. Like people, yeah. people were scared to death of him because he, he was a little bit of a high, a little bit of a jerk to most people. Um, yeah. And actually you kind of, um, hit a nail, pretty interesting nail there because even jobs admitted that he was not always pleasant in his yeah. personal life either. That's true. Yeah. I'm sure he struggled. I mean, he obviously had a a very deep-seated relationship with himself, right? Not to say that he was conceited. I probably was a little ego there. I, I'm sure of that. I mean, he built a, a multi-billion dollar company and uh, got kicked out. And then they had to bring him back to keep the company going again. I mean, you know, I'm sure he smirked a little bit when they, they asked him to come back. Um <laughs> You know, so I'm sure he had some ego. How could you not in that position, right? Um, but uh, he obviously had a very, um, I guess, confident relationship with himself. He knew what he was doing. He had a vision. Uh, he was great at communicating that vision as, you know, somewhat of a jerk that he could be in doing that. Um, he was very good at doing it. And, uh, but he, he was one of those people that he was not the easiest person to get along both in his, his work environment and his personal life. I, I would, you know, I, I don't know what his wife would say about it. I'm sure she's had, I haven't seen anything particularly about what she has said, but I'm sure she says, yeah, he was a little difficult sometimes and he was yeah, married to well, his job. He, he was definitely married to his job, yeah. right? Steve Jobs was the job, yeah, but, absolutely. um, He's an interesting character because actually as he got older, he realised that where he was going in his personal life wasn't where he wanted to be. Mm. So he did kind of start getting softer towards, um, you know, towards the end. So like around yeah. that midlife, he started making lots of repairs and all that sort of thing, um, which he probably wouldn't have, you know, he wasn't in the space to do in his younger days. Right. And Around about then, you also do see potentially a softening happening around also his working relationships at Apple. Um, I'm not saying a full softening. <laughs> he didn't, well, you know, he didn't like have a caftan and like start waving incense around. No, nope. but <laughs> no, 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 that's not Steve Jobs. Um, but he did soften and um, there wasn't so much of that like militant vibe about him let's put it that way yeah. and again that comes with what maturity right so there, there was a point where even jobs matured but you're right in that perspective that what you've highlighted there is jobs who is pretty much an alpha leader oh, yeah, he is absolutely you know he's he's very much top of the totem pole um everyone's gonna <laughs> like hey all hail steve that kind of thing like you know yeah. very much so um I do believe leadership can go another way. 
there is another way that leadership can go. And yeah. all hats off to Steve Jobs. I think what he did was amazing. I think what he created was amazing. And potentially because he was such a visionary and maybe people thought he was insane at the times when he was having these <laughs> amazing epiphanies of where we could go, he had to be a little bit rough. He had to be like, let's get this, you know, done. Um, there are other, there are other people. Um, there aren't too many, I hate to say, but there are other people who have had that visionary ability who have been able to inspire, um, we don't have too much information about them necessarily, uh, about their personal life. Um, Mahatma Gandhi, for example, yeah. he's one. That's I, I mean, there's of. been, yeah, Mahatma Gandhi. So yeah, he kind of went about something in a peaceful way, but even then, he was still a bit of an alpha character. And um, even though he believed that all men, regardless of race, were equal. He did not believe that all women, regardless of race, were equal to men. Mm. So, you know, he still had his foibles. Um, another character I am thinking of is Joan of Arc. She doesn't get mentioned that much. And that's just because, you know, she is kind of like a super renegade story. I mean, her entire super, story yeah. feels like it is a fairy tale yeah. gone wrong. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's <know>. true. <laughs> Very much a Grimm's brother type tale. Yeah. But, you know, here's a peasant girl in France, a, a teenager who's like, yeah, I'm going to be like this person who gets the king back on the throne, who's a French king. And she does it. And then they burn her at the stake. I don't know why they would do that, but they did. Crazy story. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, exactly. But um, she was actually probably not an alpha because if she was an true alpha she'd want to be the queen of, of france she wouldn't be satisfied with being yeah i'll be your lieutenant man i'll get you to the throne so she's an yeah. interesting case study yeah, of yeah. where someone did something but not for their own power but for their belief yeah yeah and, and she obviously had some kind of um you know, she she felt like she was called, right? If you if you study Joan of Arc, she had this this vision, this uh, you know something from God telling her this is what she was supposed to do, and so she felt like she had this mission or this purpose that she was supposed yeah. to fulfill. Um, and maybe maybe a lot of the leaders in time have had similar callings or or um, you know feeling a purpose, I guess. Uh, you know. And I think that it does take a visionary to create mass movement like the Steve Jobs or the Gandhis or the Mother Teresa's or the um, Martin Luther King Jr.'s or those types of people, right? Like they mm -hmm. they create this amazing movement. They have amazing results. And uh, there's, you know, different levels of ego involved there, of course. Uh, I don't think anybody who gets in that position can have no ego whatsoever. They they feel like they have a voice and it should be heard and to some extent. Um, but yeah, it's it's really interesting. Uh, and and I, I do believe when when you said that uh, there is other ways to lead. I, I truly believe that as well. I, I believe that you know those types of leaders are needed in certain circumstances like you can't have a leader during war be like 
well, maybe we should all be touchy feely and, uh, you know, uh, get in tune with our inner self. And no, like you need a guy that's going to be like, you get your butt in there and and shoot your gun. Right. Like you just, you need some of that, of course, um, in certain certain circumstances, but you basically end up having a leader like that because the people that came before that individual failed as leaders. That's true. Essentially. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point to bring out. Um, and, and so I, I do believe that leaders, um, can, there's a better way, you know, there doesn't need to be this alpha, you know, iron fist, my way or the highway type mentality. I, I think that leaders can lead like truly lead like, Hey, let's, you know, come follow me. I'm going to show you the way like the Gandhi's and the Martin Luther King's and the mother Teresa's those, those were soft leaders. Like, um, yes. They, they led by example. They, they did what they knew they should be doing and they, they held their values and their morals to basically their death, but pretty much. Right. I mean, it's, yeah, it's pretty impressive. Exactly. Um, it's, it's incredibly impressive. And look, um, for an individual like uh, Dr. King, for an individual like Mahatma Gandhi to lead a revolution through, by the means of peace, even Mandela, you could even say that yeah, about Mandela, absolutely. like uh, to a certain degree, to lead a revolution through peace is like a renegade, like it is actually a revolutionary idea because every single other revolution that's happened has involved arms, has involved bloodshed, has involved people dying. Um yeah. And hasn't been this mass movement of peace and collaboration, right? And that's what makes these leaders amazing. Um, but in order to become those leaders, they had to first go into themselves. And, you know, uh, Gandhi's talked about it, how you have to go uh, the real battlegrounds within. You have to face the, you know, demons that you carry within. That's actually where the battle needs to be uh, yeah. faced. The war that needs to be waged is the one from within. Um, and... Dr. King would actually say very similar things about uh, how he dealt with racism. He had to deal with it on the inside in order to come to a more compassionate kind of uh, collaborative view that he started taking. Right. So, yeah, amazing, yeah. amazing people who did amazing work. Yeah, um, absolutely. I, yeah. I agree. Uh, amazing leaders and, you know, if, if we could have more leadership like that today, and I, I believe there are little pockets of leaders out there that, that have those types of qualities, but um, we don't really have leaders like that leading at the top level, in my opinion, mm. uh, yeah. that we need. And it, it's kind of unfortunate because those are people who can make a true lasting impact. And right now we've got leaders who they're more of the alphas. They're more of the, uh, you know, yeah, the, the absolutely. And, and, and Honestly, lots of them I wouldn't even consider to be great leaders. Like, I mean, very few of our political leaders around the world. I, I, I honestly I can't think of very many that are I would consider a great leader. Um, you know, there there's just there's very few. There are well, leaders I think in in the corporate world that are, are doing great things and and changing the world in their own way. But um, yeah, it's kind of kind of sad. So. I, I feel like um, kind of Obama sort of said this. I think it was Obama. I'm not entirely too sure if it is him, actually. So maybe it's not him, it's some other guy. Uh, but I think it's him. I don't know. And he said that we basically just do what you tell us to do. So 
you have to be the ones who tell us what you want. And he was talking about the American public, right? And I think that's the same thing about leadership in a way. Um, look, leaders are literally going to, leaders are the ultimate followers. At the end of the day, they're the ultimate followers. So if we somehow individually go to a place of really next level within, and if our relationships can help us do that, awesome. Um, Then, ah, guess what? We're not going to be the ones voting in certain people or voting in particular CEOs onto a board or anything, right? We're going to want individuals who then mirror exactly the way we're at internally so i think that's a really great way of looking at it like hey actually no there is a really great chance that we could potentially one day hey who knows um have leadership like that because leaders are just pretty much gonna do well yeah they are followers ultimately leaders are followers they follow other people first yeah yeah, I agree. I, you know, it's like a teacher is a student first and a leader is a follower first and they need to learn yeah. how to follow in order to be a leader. So, um, yeah, true. So, such a great perspective to, to keep. And, and for people who want to become a leader or feel that they are in a leadership role, that's, that's something that I think we all need to keep in perspective is, you know, you've got to be a follower as well and follow not only, um, your heart, but follow what you know is, is right and keep pushing forward. So, um, yeah, that's awesome. I love that. Um, so let me ask you this. What is, what impact do you hope to have with the work that you're doing when it comes to leadership relationship, um, in that arena? Immediately imposter syndrome. So that is the one key area that I really want to tackle. Uh, It is, you want to know why alpha relationships and alpha leaders are created? It's because of this goddamn imposter syndrome that's hanging around. Uh, Yeah, people people don't believe they deserve to be in a position of leadership. People don't believe they deserve to be happy in relationship. Um, They're waiting, they're second guessing, they're thinking that something's going to happen, a grenade's going to get thrown. It's, I know I know that feeling. I used to be exactly the same way. I was like, nope, there's no way I can do this. There's no way I can be happy in this situation. There's no way, no way, no way. I don't deserve this. Uh, that's a load of crap. You absolutely do deserve it. But potentially your insecurity is there to show you how you can deserve it, right? So imposter syndrome is not necessarily a bad thing to feel. Uh, you should feel it, but let's learn from it now. What what does mm. this syndrome have to t- teach you about yourself? Yeah. And that's kind of, I guess, the impact that I want to have is in my work, let's learn from those parts of you that's deeply insecure about your position, whether that's in relationships, whether that's in leadership, it doesn't really matter. We're going to learn from that. And from that place, get some confidence, get build some self-esteem build some worth around being a person in relationship around being a person in leadership um that's pretty much it that is my main priority because i i honestly believe once people do feel worthy like deeply worthy of being in a place of leadership being in a place of relationship 
they're also going to feel worthy of becoming or being the space holder because that's ultimately what a relationship what a person in a relationship does they hold space for another human being Mm, and a leader you just need to magnify that a leader holds space for multiple human beings and no leaders getting taught that no leaders actually being told that part of your job is to also know how to hold psychological emotional and physiological space potentially even energetic space for your team now how many people in your team it doesn't matter if it's like five people if it's like two people if it's like 200 people it doesn't matter you need to learn how to hold space for every single one of those individuals and that's where we need to kind of go i believe in both relationship and leadership yeah god i love that uh, i i agree 100 percent, and uh Leadership is about holding that space, um, you know, having that, that, you know, all the things you said, you know, the physical space, the mental space, the, the energetical space, all those things. We need to be able to hold those those spaces as a leader. And um, I think that anybody can step into that role if they decide that they want yeah. to um, step into it. And uh, yeah. I, I also, I loved that you, you talk about the, um, imposter syndrome. I, I think that anytime we're stepping into a role of uncomfortability, we're going to feel that, oh, am I worthy to be here? Am I deserving to be here? And that imposter syndrome starts kind of seeping in. And uh, my wife and I were just talking about that today, actually, imposter syndrome and how many people have it and, and, uh. It's really interesting. Um, we, we could talk for, I think, hours on imposter <laughs> syndrome, but, um, yeah. you know, uh, she, she was at an event this, this last weekend and um, the gal who was running the event and up on stage is, is talking about how, um, you know, I do this and this and that and, you know, telling people all these things that they should be doing, giving them, you know, strategies and tools, which is great. But then my wife is like, but you don't do that all the time. Because my wife knew, knew knows this woman very very on a fairly personal level, and she's like, "You struggle with that." And so, so we were talking about that today. You know, this imposter syndrome, and and I think that everybody who tries to lead and they're like, "You need to, you need to follow," you know, what I say and do this and that. I think there is going to be a little bit of that at times, right? Like, um, I I guess I when I think of imposter syndrome, again, I I don't want to go totally off base here um and off the beaten path but um i always think of when you're stepping into a role like that you're trying to step into a higher version of yourself so you're not going to be perfect you're not going to be you know exactly perfect at everything you're telling people they should be doing because nobody's perfect um, but what you want to do is hopefully inspire them and, and you want to step into a, a hopefully a higher version of yourself. And, and that's where I, what are, I think the difference between imposter syndrome and, you know, trying to be a better version of yourself differs. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think like, look, at the end of the day, even if you own your fuck ups, like, oh, sorry, can I swear? <laughs> <laughs> I just did. <laughs> yeah. We can <laughs> Okay, great. <laughs> So if you can own your like mistakes, um, it actually makes you way more relatable. And 
interestingly, people are going to listen to what you have to say then. You don't have to hammer it down their throats. I am, you know, I tell people all the time, yeah, I've still got work to do. I, I don't have everything sorted out. I'm not someone who is, you know, ah, I found the say, like, you know, no, I'm not some (laughs) person who's been hit with the enlightenment brush or stick or whatever. Um, I'm still doing my work. I'm still going. I'm still figuring out parts of things that I need to figure out. Um, And, you know, the great thing is the more you own it, the more aware you are of it and the more aware you are of it, the more you can work on it. So eventually it doesn't become something that's so huge and massive and you have to deal with this huge thing. No, because ultimately after a while you tend to deal with it and go with it and it doesn't affect you as much, which is great, which is I think what most people want. Yeah. I, I so true. Uh, I agree. Um, and and that's that's a good point. So thank you for sharing that. That's 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 awesome. And I think that none of us are going to ever be perfect. And and again, the leader or the student or the teacher is always going to be a student and a follower first, right? It comes back to that. Yeah. So um, you've got to be willing to, uh, you know, know that there's still work that you can always be progressing towards and, and things that you can be better at. So yeah. Absolutely. So. Um, yeah, this Kyle. Oh, I can't believe we, we've been going for almost an hour, but I I I, I love asking this question because it it, it gets people kind of thinking. Um, but if you were to say there was something that you had to leave behind to become who you are today, what would that be? Something I had to leave behind in order to become who I am today. Oh, that's a good question. Um. Honestly, I had to leave behind who I used to be. I had to leave behind this person who was constantly uh, trying to fit in and please people and all that sort of stuff. Um, And as uncomfortable as that was, as uh, nerve-wracking as that was to actually start walking um, towards myself, if we can use that as a metaphor and as an analogy, it was worth it. It was a hundred percent worth it because my life has become better as a result of it. Um, I'm not going to lie. It wasn't an easy choice. It wasn't an easy decision, but fulfillment, you know, is there. Uh, For me, happiness has also been there. Success has been there and peace. I'm now at peace with who I am as a human being. Uh, majority of the time, I will not say all the time, but majority of the time, yeah, I'm at peace with who yeah. I am. Yeah. And that was not the way I used to be. I used to be unfulfilled. I used to be unhappy. I was actually, interestingly, I was successful, but I was actually unsuccessful. And I was definitely not at peace. So it was, it's nice. It's nice to actually leave those, you know, transition and move to a place like that. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks for sharing that. That's, that's, that's great that you're willing to go there and, and tell us that. So super powerful. Um, so, uh, yeah, God, we could talk all day. I think about leadership and relationships. I think that's, that's such an important, um, you know, topic to, um, you know, just 
needs to be discussed all the time. There's so many problems, I think, around the world because of these two topics so, and how intertwined they are. Uh, so uh, I, I want to give you a minute to just tell people if they want to know more about what you do and where they can connect with you, if they've resonated with what you've had to talk about with leadership and relationships, what's the best way for people to connect with you? Uh, honestly, LinkedIn. So LinkedIn is the place that you should connect with me. That is where I tend to also promote um, a lot of free stuff as well. So free workshops that I'm running, that sort of thing. Um, I am actually running a few for the next six months. They are limited for space because I only release about 50 tickets um, at a time. But you can find the details of that on LinkedIn. Um, also, Humanitics, uh, if you look up the GOG Leadership Circle for Women, that's actually the Leadership Circle. You can find a ticket there. Uh, I do have a website that will be coming shortly because I've had to change my entire brand and everything since going into this leadership arena. So that will be coming shortly, but LinkedIn is the best place to connect. Awesome. Very cool. And for those who are listening, if... Uh, what you've heard here today from Davika has resonated with you. I, I will make sure to put those uh, links in the description of this episode so you can go and you can connect with her on LinkedIn and I'll, as well as uh, her website. So that's that's awesome. Thank you so much for sharing that. Uh, I think it's super important for people to be able to reach out to those who resonate with the message that they're sharing. So very cool. Um, so I always like to wrap up my conversations, my episodes that I'm having with folks by asking this question. And it is, if you were to say there was one to maybe three things that someone needs to do to unleash greatness within themselves, what would those be? Ah, okay. Um, accept the rupture because greatness comes from a rupture of mm. some sort. Awesome. So, uh, accept that there's something that's going to be unstable that happens. Um, and uh, do, okay, yes, do things that you've always wanted to do mm. but was always a little bit like, no, I can't do that. So whatever it is, you know, it could be, uh, for example, for me, it was learning how to shoot a gun. It was like doing martial arts, oh, nice. things like that, right? Mm. I did that even though I was like, no, I can't do this. But, no, I did it and it was fun and it was super great. Um was also living with a bunch of hippies that was another thing that I did so uh <laughs> yes so do the things that you've always wanted to do give yourself permission to do it and that actually builds confidence and um interestingly you'll go on these amazing journeys meet these amazing people that will help you unleash your greatness and the third thing is uh learn learn how potentially you can get uncomfortable like comfortable with discomfort mm. so whatever is your way of find, uh, getting comfortable with discomfort learn how to do that um and lean into that because it's actually in the place of discomfort that you're going to really grow and unleash greatness wow yeah awesome i love that uh you know find your rapture go through that and then you know, do the things that you've always wanted to do, but we're nervous about and then lean into the discomfort. I, yeah, those are absolute great points to, um, to point out. And I agree with all of them. So that's awesome. Thank you for sharing that. That's very cool. So, um, 
again, thank you so much for your time. Um, it's been such a pleasure having you on the show and just discussing this, this relationship between relationships and leadership and, uh, how intertwined they are. And and I agree. I can totally see how that, that works and how you've got to work on yourself before you can become the leader you're meant to be. So, um, that's awesome. What a great work that you're doing out there, especially in the women arena. I, I think that we need more women leaders. I have five daughters, so I'm all about <laughs> let's empower these young ladies and get them to become the leaders they're meant to be. I believe that it's within each and every one of them. So that's awesome. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. And of course for men as well. Um, absolutely. Yeah. I'm looking forward to working with men soon. Yeah. That's exciting. That that'll be a little bit of a change, I'm sure, but yeah, very cool that you're willing to step into that and uh, embrace that. That's awesome. So uh, thank you so much for coming on the show. I appreciate your time and your insight and such a great conversation. I, I truly appreciate you being on. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me. It's been a lot of fun. And those who are listening, um, be sure to connect with Davika and uh, reach out to her if you have questions about what she does and how she can possibly help you in your relationships, step into leadership, any of those arenas that we've been discussing And uh, like I say every episode, go unleash your greatness today, live your life to the fullest, and we will see you in future episodes. Hey, everybody. Thanks for joining me today, and I really appreciate you being here. And do me a favor. If you liked this episode, please be sure to subscribe on your favorite uh, platform that you listen to podcasts on. And also, leave me a message or a comment or a review. I just really appreciate it. Also, why I've got you here, if you are ready to take your life to the next level, I have an amazing program right now that's called Achievement Monthly. And this is a monthly program where you can come and learn every month from me, Adam Platt, Achievement Coach. And we're going to go, I'm going to go live every month. Come on and help you get to that next level in life, that next level of success, that next level of achievement. Because you know, up till now, you've, you've done so well and you've done all you can, but sometimes you just need a little bit more help, a little bit more umph to get you to that next level. And that's what this program is really meant to be. And so it's uh, designed to help you, one, learn what you need to do to get to that next level. And two, it's also meant so that you can uh, network with other people. So we're going to train for about an hour, hour and 15 minutes. And then we're going to break out into groups so that you can network with other people, get to know them and connect with them so that they can help support you in your goals, your dreams and create the life that you want. So if you are interested in joining that program for only $39 a month, you can go and register at arise to slash achievement. And I am so excited to see you there and to help you get to that next level in life because, man, that's where everything starts to go right and happen for you. So go again, register right now at arisetoconnect.com slash achievement, and I look forward to seeing you on the inside of that program and every month so that we can get you working towards that goal and that dream life that you want. Thanks, and have an amazing day. Go out and make your life what you want it to be.